Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. In the last episode, I grudgingly covered the obligatory employment law topic of holiday parties. I suppose I should complete my employment law commentator obligations as we begin the new year and give you a New Year's episode. I am again on the fence about this episode because everybody does this around this time of year, and it seems kind of like going through the motions, but I'm going to do it because I'm your employment law guru here to inform and entertain, and of course you can't go wrong with the classics. These New Year's pieces usually go in two directions, the highlights from the year gone by and some ill-advised predictions about the year to come. In the interest of thoroughness, I'm going to do both, but I think for the most part I can combine the two. Let's see how it goes. Here is a list in no particular order. Number one, the COVID gift keeps giving. Seems like COVID and all the drama that went with it is a distant memory, although it was really not that long ago. In 2022, the big issue with COVID was litigation, mostly with the fallout from all those reductions in force necessitated by COVID. There has been a steady stream of litigation over all the right-sizing that has gone on over the past two years. Looking back, I think there were a lot of decisions made on the fly and without as much care and oversight as might have been advisable. I've seen a surprising number of cases that I've handled and that have been reported in the media or court decisions where the justification for the decisions on which employees to terminate and which to retain have really not stood up to scrutiny. Whatever the reason, most employment lawyers are still litigating COVID-related claims and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Number two, work from home and hybrid work arrangements. One of the changes from the COVID era that remains is a major change in how people are working. Most employees today have much greater flexibility in where they perform their jobs, with many working from home full-time or frequently. This has raised a host of issues for employers. For example, employers have to be very careful managing non-exempt employees' work time from, for remote work to avoid overtime issues. Even apart from that, there have been a lot of lawsuits regarding expenses associated with working from home that employees claim have been wrongfully passed on to them. For example, fees for internet service, extra electricity, office furniture, or supplies. These claims are especially common in states that have laws on the books prohibiting employers from passing along work-related expenses to employees. Now, these types of claims used to focus on things like uniforms and tools, but we're in a whole new world now, and we have not quite reached the point where all the details have been ironed out, so these cases will likely continue into 2023 and beyond. Another work-from-home issue that has come up is the whole problem of monitoring employee productivity remotely. This presents serious challenges for employers who have to balance their need to ensure minimum levels of productivity with employees' privacy concerns. Along these lines, I'm aware of cases where employees who have full-time remote jobs take on second jobs without letting either employer know. In fact, you may or may not be aware of a website dedicated to this practice. It's called overemployed.com, and its tagline is, Work to Remote Jobs, Reach Financial Freedom. Now, I suppose it's possible that these industrious workers are really dedicating sufficient time to two separate jobs at the same time, but it's hard not to imagine how one might take advantage of such a situation. 
I know the immediate reaction to this kind of thing is no moonlighting policies, but be aware that those are prohibited in many states. I think the better approach is to monitor productivity, but as noted, that may be somewhat difficult with full-time remote employees. Finally, I've also encountered a number of cases where employees move to another state without letting their employer know, which of course creates a whole host of issues for employers related to taxes, workers' comp, insurance, and other issues. I think that various policies, practices, and technological solutions will resolve all of these kinds of issues, but it will probably take time. The bottom line is that many employees are much less closely supervised than they were a few years ago, and some are going to try to take advantage. Number three, arbitration continues to lose ground. On March 3rd, 2022, the president signed the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act of 2021. The law amends the FAA, the Federal Arbitration Act, and renders unenforceable, at the claimant's option, pre-dispute arbitration agreements and class action waivers regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment disputes. The law became effective immediately and applies to claims arising or accruing on or after March 3, 2022. You may also recall that California outlawed all pre-dispute arbitration agreements as a condition of employment in 2020, although the law has faced many challenges and and is not currently being enforced. On the whole, though, the attack on arbitration is continuing, and I expect that it will continue into 2023 and beyond. Now, don't get me wrong. The Federal Arbitration Act is still in place, and in most jurisdictions, arbitration is solidly enforceable and generally advisable for most employers. That doesn't change the fact that it also has its detractors, and in certain jurisdictions, the hostility will certainly continue. The big question is what more might be done to amend the Federal Arbitration Act. I really don't see a very strong policy argument for confining the limitation of arbitration only to those cases involving sexual harassment, but we'll have to wait and see what 2023 brings. Number four, the gig economy under attack. People still love to talk about the gig economy, and I still get a lot of questions from existing and new businesses about the legal ramifications of using gig workers. The bottom line at this point is that the federal government and its various agencies have pretty much declared war on the gig economy, and I don't see that changing for the foreseeable future. Anyone using or considering using gig workers needs to do a thorough analysis of the employee versus independent contractor issue and consider their exposure for potential claims. Number five, non-competes under attack. Over the past few years, several states have curtailed the ability of employers to demand employees sign non-compete agreements. Limitations have included things like a minimum pay level that an employee must exceed to be required to sign an agreement, and certain classes of employees who are exempt from such agreements. On January 5, 2023, the Federal Trade Commission proposed a new rule that would ban non-compete agreements between employers and workers in most circumstances and require employers to rescind any existing non-compete agreements with current and former employees. Now, this just happened, so the rulemaking process will have to proceed. And a final rule could be quite different from the proposed rule, and it would be subject to all kinds of legal challenges, but this action is consistent with the larger trend of hostility toward non-competes. Now, it's worth keeping in mind that none of this impacts the ability of businesses to protect their trade secrets or to use non-solicit and non-disclosure agreements, although the latter are also under attack in various contexts. 
I've mentioned on this podcast in the past that businesses need to consider their non-compete agreements and strategy on a regular basis, and these trends make that approach all the more advisable. Number six, state laws gone crazy. Keeping track of all the different state laws governing employment has always been a big job, but it seems to keep getting more and more difficult. Every year, states pass more and more laws, creating an ever-growing burden for multi-state employers. In the last year, several states passed laws requiring employers to disclose a wage scale or salary range in a job posting. Many states have increased their minimum wage, while others have changed their unemployment benefit programs. California, always a leader in this sort of thing, has several new laws. Examples include a law prohibiting employers from disciplining or punishing an employee who does not go to work because of, quote, safety issues, end quote, or other concerns, and a law requiring employers to offer five days of bereavement leave to any workers who have been employed for at least 30 days. I don't see this trend of states passing new laws changing, so the task of staying in compliance will likely continue to get more difficult. Number seven, more reductions in force are coming. If you follow the news at all, you've probably heard that the economy is not doing so great. Amazon has announced that it will cut 18,000 positions. Twitter has cut a substantial portion of its workforce, and several other companies like Stitch Fix, Vimeo, Genesis, Goldman Sachs, Blue Apron, and many more have announced that major cuts are coming in 2023. These are big companies, but the downstream effect will hit smaller companies this year as well. In short, there are going to be a lot of reductions in force in 2023, and this means there will probably be a lot more employment litigation, especially if people have difficulty finding new jobs. So there you have it, a bold prediction that people are going to be suing businesses in 2023 for employment law claims. You can write that down and check if my prediction was accurate at the end of the year. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.